Dan. Yes. Welcome. Got the brew ready. Like it? Absolutely. It's got to be done. Got to be done. Dan, thanks for joining us. And good afternoon, everybody. And welcome to the eighth episode of the six sessions deep into the start of the new year. And it definitely feels like we're deep into the year, despite only being a couple of, couple of weeks in. Each week, I've been lucky enough to chat to somebody in the growth space across marketing, sales, and customer experience. And today's guest is super interesting. You may even recognize him off the telly box. So <laughs> it, he's a prime example of me wanting to hang out with people smarter than me, making me smarter in the process, or at least making me look like I at least know smart people. So these chats, <laughs> you, can, you can have this intro afterwards, it's fine. So <laughs> these chats are designed to be short and sweet, but hopefully full of insight. And it's definitely unfiltered, which is what makes it fun for me. Um, today's guest is someone I've known for a few years across a multitude of projects, roles, and enterprises. I've seen him supporting growth projects across education, startups, scale-ups, as well as supporting established businesses with a marketing growth. He's someone who knows how to foster growth and drive excitement, as well as being a passionate spokesperson for diversity. He's a fountain of knowledge, learning from, bros uh, learning from both successes and failures, and always sharing the learnings. Not to mention, he regularly appears on the BBC to share his tech expertise. So he's good enough for the Beeb, he's good enough for me. So Dan, <laughs> welcome. Thank you, thank you. I will keep that introduction. No, that's fantastic. <laughs> I love that. It's, it's really interesting when you hear someone else doing it and you're like, oh God, that is me. Oh God, I do that. Oh God, no wonder I'm always tired. Yeah, that seems like a lot of stuff you, to you do. Quickly in the background texting your mum, be like, quick, log in, quick, quick, quick. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mum, it's happening again. I'd say when I, when I used to do stuff, well, I still do stuff, but not my because I've done quite a bit now on the telly and stuff. My family are no longer interested even slightly. But when I first started doing it, it was great because they'd be like, oh, I've seen you. And now they're just like, yeah, 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 obviously, you're on telly again, Dan. I've seen you on iPlayer again now. I'm like, okay, you can at least be slightly more excited by it. But, um, but obviously, they're not. The novelty, isn't it? Novelty wears off when you do it lots. But for me, it doesn't. I, I love doing the TV and the, especially love doing radio stuff because then they can't see you. So you can get away with being in your pajamas. So that's awesome. Well, I, if I'm being brutally honest, I am wearing slippers right now. But that's fine because it's locked down. <laughs> And Andreas on uh, Andreas on uh, on the comments has said it was a great introduction as well. So I'm, I'm going to chalk that one up as a win. So um, so first up, three weeks into the year, how's it going? Yeah, we're, we kind of always got to separate. So even though I know now life is uh, all melding together. So life work balance, wearing slippers, you know, coming to you to work with your whole self. But I'll separate too. Obviously, lockdown is not easy for anyone. But to be honest with you, I've been remote working for about two decades without knowing it was called remote working. So I've, I've been a consultant and doing other stuff for ages. So for me, I'm always, you know, in my little lockdown study or in a little bubble of thought or, you know, so for me, it doesn't, that bit hasn't really changed a lot. What has changed, of course, is the rest of the world suddenly started remote working as well and working from home. And my goodness, yeah, that's going to be a culture clash for lots of people. So um, you're, so you're yeah. no longer the maverick working from home anymore. You're just part of yeah, the well, fold. It's one of the weird things, isn't it? Like, I think it was something like two years ago. I think it's like 4% of the people actually fully work from home most of the time. And I used to for about a decade or so. I just, I just thought that was what people did as consultants. And they, you popped off, you did talks, and you came back to your house. Um, you know, didn't, didn't get a, a swanky office. I used to laugh at people who did. However, now, of course, lots of people are clamoring to get back. Uh, well, no, I think Chris Hurd just did some stats on this, actually. Really interesting this morning. There's 11,000 people on LinkedIn he was talking to. And uh, 11,000 people who voted, should I say. And, and it was four, four percent of people want to go back to the office full time. Four percent of people rather than you know, 96 percent of people don't want to go back full time. Only four percent do. That's astounding, isn't it? So that that changed during lockdown and this time and 
working from home, massive revolution. So I, 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 have, I haven't, uh, you know, homeschooling doesn't really help. So I'll bring in that. I'll be honest with you. I don't think we're we're not we're not working from home at the moment. Remember, we are we know we're working through a pandemic, uh, you know, and trying to do everything at once. So I think when this time is over, I think we'll find that the working from home and remote work actually is a lot nicer and better, but also a lot more people do it because they enjoy it. Every everyone I've had the conversation with, it normally starts off with, "I love my children, but yeah, I'm not saying it's, it's, I'm, I'm not saying that like." I do, I do love my daughter. I do love Mia. But yeah, I can see why we invented schools and teachers. And God bless them, by the way. They should be paid more money. So there you go. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So how was how was 2020 for you? Yeah, again, you know, 2020 for us, because obviously I, I do a variety of different roles. So with your flock being kind of a, which is the HR tech startup and stuff that works in remote work and talks about values and helps people with their with their teams, that's changed completely because we were, on, we were in quite a small river and all of a sudden, we're in a massive area, uh, you know, that suddenly exploded. You know, um, who was it he said? It? I think it's Lenin, the old cliche about, you know, weeks go by when nothing happens and then decades go by when, you know, in, in weeks or whatever, you know, uh, to paraphrase badly. So I think that was 2020 for me. You know, it's all the stuff I've been talking about for a decade or so suddenly all happened almost over a year. And, um, and I looked, for, in some respects, I looked quite clever, but it also robbed me of the joy of being right because um, there was no there was no joy in it. You know, as the the great joke says, isn't it? You know, who brought digital transformation to your company? Was it the CIO, the CTO, the CEO? No, it wasn't. It was a global pandemic, and um, you know, and that's not a nice reason, but it's the reality, isn't it? And it's not really a great look to be putting up your hand at the moment, going, "See, I told you I was right." <laughs> exactly, it's completely off brand, isn't it? And everyone will dislike you. But the problem is, you know, it's all about being a futurist. But then suddenly, if you are right at this moment, as you rightly say. And of course, you know, you do know me, Rich. I'm not very emotionally intelligent. So, so for quite a bit of it, I was saying, ah, told you so. And everyone's like, Dan, read the room. And I was like, whoa, but I did. Oh, right. Yeah, good point. So yeah, 2020 was, uh, was eye-opening. I had to become a lot more self-aware. So you, you touched on it briefly then. And normally, normally when I ask one of the guests to like give me an outline of what your business does, they don't have a million things that they work on at the same time. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hone in on your flock. Um, so give me give me the top line. What does your flock do? Really, really brilliant question. Your flock allows you to, for two different exercises, as a team leader, it allows you to help your individuals develop as they work from home. Um, and then from an individual level, same thing. It's like a digital coach through learning and development allows you to do activities which are linked to your core value, your core motivators. And what we find with flock is these people do these activities, teams come together more and become more productive. So it's, um, it's like a, a secret uh, source. It's almost a secret ability for, uh, for managers of offices. The problem you've got, as you, as you know, Rich, and you do, I think you do a brilliant job of this, by the way. You do a great job of this. It'd be great to see from a flock point of view that the, uh, the company alignment in your whole team, I'm sure it's extremely close. You all seem very similar type of folk and not from a personality point of view, but from a, a value point of view. But um, it's, you know, how do you help your company culture whilst this is all going on? You know, how can you do this remotely? And uh, you know, not going to blow your trumpet, but you know, going around and seeing people while socially distanced, whilst wearing a mask, very important as well. But you know, delivering presents and doing that kind of stuff, you did because you did. I, I saw it. I see what you do. I'm a great fan. And uh, I think that's brilliant for company culture, you know. But for larger companies, that is that kind of hands-on approach isn't always uh, or isn't always possible. And so I suppose Flock is that digital coach and that scalability that perhaps they're looking for. So some might say perfectly positioned now where the teams are kind of scattered all over the place and people are wondering how they can keep that cohesion. Yeah, which is why, you know, very, very busy projects at the moment and why we've just uh, we just uh, got another bit of investment and we've got a, a new guy on our board, a chap called Tom Old, who works, uh, used to be the, he's the ex-assistant for uh, Stephen Hawkins, extremely clever chap. 
and we're so, going to be bringing in oh, thank you and we're going to be bringing in another couple of people to tell about that next couple of months or next couple of weeks it will be now um who are specialists in machine learning and so we're going to be using machine learning to help with this kind of nuanced approach and becoming a digital coach and so yeah that's a, a really exciting spot to be in and what what do you do at your flock like what is your role what are you bringing to the party oh good that's another bloody good point. other, other so than the dashing good looks and witty charm yeah, exactly. Old stuff no longer needed. Um, you know, yeah, I think um, I've got to be careful with words. To be completely frank about it, I invested in Flock a couple of years ago because I knew of, I had the scrap that I need to itch myself, so to speak. I actually used the product um, and it worked. It worked brilliantly well for, for my own uses and then also for a, for a couple of friends and some other people. So I knew it worked and so I invested. Um, it, Flock is something I tried to build about uh, 10 years ago, uh, Richard. In fact, I think we may even chat about it about five years ago, but anyway, try to build it about 10 years ago. And something that, as you know, Rich, I, I kind of build, try to build tech companies and, and I kept getting the teams wrong. And because of that, the, the opportunity disappeared. Uh, also, sometimes I, I guess things too early. I had a hemp company 25 years ago. I was talking to a friend about that, co-founder a couple of hours ago. And then I go augmented. I had, um, I think it was 12 years ago, and that's augmented reality company. So often ahead of the time, which is, which is fine. It's, as a futurist, that's a good thing to be. But it was actually the team that I got wrong each time. It was the underlying principle as well. It was the, it was the wrong people. As I, I said in 2015, I said, with the, if you get the right people and the right technology, you'll take over the world. But get the wrong people and the wrong technology, that world takes over you. And it used to be that I, I was obsessed with the tech side of it. I was always saying, you know, what's in your tech stack? But now I've got older, I realize tech stack is really important. But actually, as I'm sure you know, Rich, it's who's your people. You know, your it's people are the most important. It's one of those. It's one of those things that, like, whenever I look at, um, so like people, like people I was at uni with, things like that, would bring ideas and say, like, here's an idea. How do I turn this into a startup? And like the ideas part is the smallest piece of the puzzle. Like one percent. Yeah, if that, and mm. it's the, it's all in the execution, and the execution comes from the people. And you're right. Tech stack is important, but there's a million ways to build out a tech stack. Like it could be loads of different things, but it's the people. Investors look for the people. You need people who have the same drive, all of that kind of stuff. It's so you're right. It's important. So everybody should go and buy Flock. It'll fix those problems, right? <laughs> well, the, the reason, I mean, the lovely thing, thank you very much. Your Flock, perfect. Please go to www.yourflock.co.uk. Have a go today. It's also free at the moment, so please do have a go. Um, but that's a different point. And we just got an investment from Innovate UK, so we can offer it for free for a bit, but that's uh, another thing. Um, but yeah, so Your Flock is just part of the tech stack. It is beautifully talks about tech stack. And as we're all marketeers, so you know, I was old enough. I remembered years and years ago, and I was talking about it a couple of days ago, there was, there was like a thousand uh, MarTech companies. Yeah, that's how old I am. Yeah, there's now eight and a half thousand. There's only a thousand, maybe 500 back in the day, you know, two. You know what I mean? Like, I tried to build some of them that actually were in that tech stack. That's the explosion, though, isn't it? So, as you say, there's a myriad of different ways of doing this. And of course, there are, because there are 9,000 tech startups that will help you do it. Now, that's the future of, anyway, we'll talk about the future of marketing later on. But yeah, for me personally, now I've understood that it's the people. It's the people, it's not the technology. The technology is important. If you don't get the right people, you're never going to grow and you're never going to be as successful as, as I, as I sense, Six and Flow will be, I'll be honest with you. I see you're growing at quite a clip, I've noticed. Trying to, mate, trying to. It's oh, um, we, we've been similar position to you guys over the, the pandemic. Like it, we've, our, our business is in a, an area that is thankfully kind of not hit that hard in terms of um, kind of downturns and things like that. And it's we've been positioned well for it. And it's been great mm -hmm. to be able to create jobs in, a, in a, a time that is kind of, been scary for a lot of people don't get me wrong it's been it's been hard and there's been a lot of fear in it but i think it, it's great to be in a, a, like a similar position so i've known you to work with schools startups scale-ups in the kind of i think we've known each other probably for nearly what, eight 
eight-ish years, I would imagine, going back. I was going to say, I was going to say a decade because I wasn't yeah. going to be pedantic. I was going to go decade. Eight, but ten, that might... fine. Decade, decade <laughs> makes it sound really old, though. So, yeah, it does. And, Good point. <laughs> obviously, not forgetting the regular stints that you do with the BBC, and I do miss the seven a.m. emails that you used to send out saying, "Come and watch me at seven a.m." And I'd always reply saying, "There is no way in hell I'm getting up to watch you on." <laughs> But anyway, you were um, not alone. You were not yeah. alone by replying saying, "Dan, you might be bored. I don't care. You're going to go on live now. I ain't yeah. watching it now, son. Don't be ridiculous." Uh, some of them came from my wife and family, so don't worry. It's not you. So all of that sits within. I'm going to say like growth. So like I'm going to bubble all of that within growth. Where does that obsession with growth come from? Yeah, it's a really that's a that's a ooh, that's a big question for Friday afternoon. Um, where does it come from? I, I'm always surprised that other human beings aren't like me or not not, not everyone is. And I suppose that's my lack of emotional intelligence because that's the point, isn't it? But that's why I need things like your flock to help me be able to do this. But there we go. But yeah, I, I just presume everyone's interested in growth. Like trees are interested in growth. Like animals are interested in growth. Human beings should be interested in growth. Their own personal growth. I know it sounds a bit cliche, but I'm, I'm all about change. I'm all about, um, you know, the only constant is change, as the old saying goes. But, you know, just like the stuff that happened in America at the moment, you know, change, like positive change is so important. Yeah. yeah. And I know it's cliche, and I know I'm a bit of a hippie, and I had a THDC that trading company 25 years ago. I know I'm a hippie. But, my goodness, positive change has to happen, otherwise the planet won't exist. Yeah. Now, I know that, again, sounds a bit silly, but that's the reality, you know, this, this arc of justice, you know, it's, it's continual. And so why am I obsessed with growth? It's not necessarily, it's not really growth, it's more change. You know, I'm all about how does, how does, how do individuals change? How do you support that? And so when I used to help people start their own business, again, I, you know, that was 20, 20, 20 years ago. And I helped people get off the benefits and things to do that and help people from universities to do it and works with schools and creating these things. That's about how do you take control of your own life and take control of your own destiny? How do you become a business owner? How do you create jobs in a positive way? You know, how do you make the world a better place? Now, you can do that through capitalism. I'm not going to get into whether I believe purely in the version of capitalism we have now, but you do that through entrepreneurship. You do it through this. Yeah, this is how you do it. So it's not about growth. It's about change. And it's about, again, you know, Maslow's hierarchy things. Self-actualization. The more we can help people self-actualize, be it in their jobs role with your business, which I know you believe in, and there's a couple of other companies I think are great at this. You know, it's not about people staying with you forever. It's about them leaving better than when they started with you. Now, that's a great culture. And, you know, society is culture. And so we've got to create better cultures. Joe Biden in two days is creating a better culture. I don't know if you've seen the stuff that, you know, smiling faces at press shows, you know, him coming onto a Zoom call and saying, no one's allowed to belittle each other. None of that, that's all finished now. That's brilliant because it's that change. So, yes, I'm obsessed with growth because also, uh, my, my clients for the last 20 years have all wanted to grow. So they've paid me to help them. So that's the main reason. Uh, not so altruistic in the end there. But the, the real thing is, yeah, I'm, I'm obsessed with change and growth. So you're going to like this. So Stuart's just uh, put in the comments. He's just done his my your flock analysis while listening to us, which is great from a your flock perspective. But it means he's also not actually listening to us. But whatever. Wins, <laughs> wins and losses there. So uh, <laughs> but what got what got you into it in the beginning? So like, how did you fall into marketing? I'm Actually, I've kind of preempted that. It's just basically everybody else I've spoken to has fallen into marketing as a career. So how did you get into marketing? Yeah, again, because I've always been the I'm going to take a step back. I believe that marketing is the, the key thing you can change in your business that makes it a better business almost straight away. Yeah. Now, I'm now I now know I'm wrong, but I've been saying that for 20 years. Yeah. So I've always been saying, if you get your marketing right, everything will become right. That's not true, of course. It's not true. It's get your product right, get your culture right, get your people right, then the rest of it will come. But for a very long time, 
I was the guy, I mean, I'd started the business. So because I'd started the business, I then went into marketing. You know, so my, my background, I mean, my degrees in law and sociology and psychology, but sociology and psychology are really marketing. It's just psychology. I love people. I love how people's brains work and I have neuroscience, big passion of mine and gut stuff and all sorts of diet stuff, all cool stuff. Anyway, so that, for me, it was only one way. I could only go into marketing. Now, of course, marketing is now more moved into products. And of course, as you know, growth is, is not as we would have called marketing years ago. So I did marketing years ago because no one else wanted to do it. And I just found I was naturally talented at promoting. And then I loved teaching. So then when we had a kind of an explosion of, I suppose, pre the explosion of entrepreneurship, but when there was lots of uh, budgets around and people wanted to pay marketing people to come and teach them how to do more marketing, that's what I did for, for 10 years. And then, you know, you got paid paid quite well to do it, to be fair, with some large brands. But mainly because what I'd done is I'd taken the marketing we'd done for startups, because they called guerrilla marketing at the time. Keep doing that, sorry. Um, but it was guerrilla marketing at the time. And I, and I taught large brands how to guerrilla market. Now, nowadays, you know, guerrilla marketing is kind of old-fashioned. Old but, you know, even influencer marketing now is really just old-school PR. It's just we don't call it PR. But I bet you would have years ago if you were a PR person. You said, oh, I talked to celebrities. Well, now it's influencer marketing. So... Yeah. growth marketing is just marketing under another name so i fell into it just because of a love of psychology so I, I remember and i remember it clearly actually which is surprising because i don't remember a lot of the night but on the six and flow's first birthday you came along and had a, a couple of beers with us so it must have been earlier in the night because i do remember it clearly and we were <laughs> chatting about i think you were you had the photo app um that you were uh, working on yeah yeah yeah. Um, yeah yeah and um, you were talking about whether or not you were going to be able to kind of get it across the line whether it had traction and things like that and and then we were talking about so i previously ran a mobile startup again in the augmented reality space and i think we were just ahead of the 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 adoption curve on that so it was kind of doomed <laughs> yeah. to failure um yeah but i i learned an awful lot from those like the the failures that i made in my career and like, i say failures as in I didn't. I didn't achieve the the kind of the unicorn status, and I I still have to work to pay my bills, kind of level. Um, yep. And ultimately, it didn't get to where we wanted to grow it to. How do you take things like that, like experiences? Let's call them rather than failures. How do you take those experiences and make sure you turn them into a learning entity that you are then kind of bringing into like the future progress? How do you transition that piece? Oh, I say that's again. That's a again very. Fine point, a very deep one. That was just riffing. <laughs> oh, mate, that's, that's deep stuff. I love it. Friday afternoon. I, maybe we should have had a beer before. Maybe we should have a beer after. So I don't know. The point is, my story doesn't help with the beer if I did this last, next answer. But the reality is, I'm, I'm going to contradict you slightly or, or controversially say that they are failures. I'm totally happy to own them, by the way. I think failures are totally fine. You know, Thomas Edison and other people said, you know, I haven't failed. I've just created different ways of, of creating it or whatever, you know, whatever you want to say. Whether, however you put it into your mindset, I think failure is fine. Yeah, and I, and I think you should fail and you should fail fast. Now, with my career, I used to fail slowly. Yeah, but it also depends on what level you consider. So I always say, this company hasn't got me to a beach in Mexico. Therefore, it's failed. Yeah, because that was my really egotistical and awful, horrible, shallow person way of looking at it. But, you know, get me to be a millionaire, get me to retire. Simply nonsense now, I'm older, but that's what I used to think. Yeah. Now, one company, Spearfish, did get me to a beach in Mexico, did get me to a bit where I could retire and, and start and try to make a kite surfing business which uh, there's a huge story about how that failed. And I came back with £3.75 to my name. That's not the point, right? So, but that's a failure. Yeah, so things are lessons, aren't they? So for example, don't sign a contract in Spanish unless you speak Spanish. There's an obvious uh, moment, you need life moment, yeah. Uh, but you can extend that into, like, <laughs> quite simple, really, Dan. 
don't do stuff on a beach when you're trying to show off. That's most probably the other one. That's the, the two things there. So be careful of the legals. Yeah, but I think what you can do, and this is really important, you know, seriously, is each time that you fail, write it down, yeah, and then learn from it. Because each time you do it, when you do it once, that's a mistake. But you do it twice, that's your choice. And it's, it's really important that everyone gets that bit. Because it is, it's your choice. You make a choice. I'm going to do that again. We didn't have to because you knew not to do it. Now, it's very hard to communicate that to someone else. And actually, it's egotistical of you and even presumptuous. And maybe you shouldn't even try because that's a much deeper point about other people's failures. But your own. Yeah, I kept it real simple for a couple of years. I wrote them down on post-it notes, uh, as I have behind me. And I put it, in fact, I've actually got a really old, tattered, shortened down version just over there. It's only got like 12 things on it. The little one had 100. And I just literally look at it, and now it's terrible because my memory is awful. But I would literally look at it and I go, about to make a decision, especially with marketing, because it didn't all used to be digital. Right. What, what did I learn before? What went wrong for that client? What did I what didn't work? Right. You know, know your customer first. Great. Okay. Do, who are we doing this for? Those things are really obvious, but you know, write them down. The, 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 the scary thing I think now is as we go into this new world of marketing, is that a lot of marketeers don't write their lessons down because they don't need to because it's all done by a machine and that's okay as long as the machine doesn't go wrong you know that's why the tech stack's important but you know it's you know, programmatic buying and all these other things marketing now is too complicated to be done inside your head but certainly the principles of marketing you really should have written down so you learn from the mistakes so one of one of the most important things I think we've ever brought in as an agency is the the post mortem uh, like and we do it we do it after after every project failure or success because I think what you learn out of going through a, a process or a journey with something you can then feed that back into everything that you do post that point and I think quite often and this is probably like one of my biggest failings as a like a business leader or as a like an entrepreneur however you want to position that is that. I always forget to think about the successes. Like I, I very rarely celebrate that stuff. It's always like, I really fucked up that bit. So I, <laughs> I need to like fix this bit or like, I'm not going to do that again. And focusing on the bits that I got wrong rather than the bits I did right. And I, I can reiterate and do those bits again. So quite often I hone in on the negative rather than looking at the positive, but it's all, it's all lessons, it's all learning. Yeah, and you're doing it, and you're doing it then, aren't you? You're holding it to the negative rather than the positive because yeah. by making that statement, it tanks. <laughs> but this is also why you want to have two or three different people on the team yeah. because there'll be somebody else like me that might go, "Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! Eighty percent of this was right, but it's great to have a complete finish." It where they go, "Yeah, yeah, but also, did we really do that?" Or the monitor evaluator in Belvin, these kind of things. That's why personality types so so friggin' important. That's why the the teamwork, you know, teamwork makes the dream work, and that's exactly why. Else, if you want to go fast, like I used to go by yourself, if you want to go far, you have to have a team. Well, that's why, isn't it? That's exactly why. But yeah, I would always. I mean, I work in tech now, so I have post modems every every week as we release another feature, and then we just get instant feedback loops. And I think the joy of marketing now, if you enjoy that process, is that it's digital marketing is continual instant feedback loops, and the data is there. And if you're a data-driven marketer, which I'm sure most people on the call are, and they're most probably all heavily into maths and stuff, good on you, because that's the future, isn't it? The future is you know, real-time marketing. Now, I, I said this five years ago, and I was talking to people um, about this, and everyone thought I was insane. But that's the reality, isn't it? The future of marketing is person-to-person, -person, instantly, completely changing, continual changing marketing, with a load of variables that as a marketer it would be impossible to know. And that's why, actually, the computers will do it more, because they can do that so very quickly whereas you couldn't the question will be of course is will we be out of the job and and again i can remember being almost booed off stage in a i won't say the brand's name but a large 
global brand. As I talked about frictionless marketing and the fact that their products wouldn't exist soon because of Amazon's, in, in Amazon's move into that market. They didn't like that. And they certainly didn't like me saying that the future of marketing was AI and half of them wouldn't have a job. So again, play to the crowd, Dan. Play to the crowd. But that's, I mean, it's a classic point of be, be the person who is building the robots, not the person who's doing the job that the robots is going to do. Like that's, yeah, exactly. that's what you need to get to. Yeah. Well, that's your choice, doesn't it? That's your choice. You, you choose which side you want to be. And it's not in a bad way. It's literally, you know, the future will be AI and robots and tech stack. There's no way it won't, unless there's a nuclear war, unless COVID kills us all. You know, that's the reality. Now, that was a reality five years ago, and it was quite well, quite well easy to predict. The next bit, and if you're going to talk to me about the future of marketing as a futurist, completely get it. Anyone who thinks they can predict more than five years with the amount of change happening monthly now is t just lying to you. It's just a lie. So I had um, me and me and uh, Joe Glover had on the podcast. We had a lengthy discussion oh, around all of our, or like the the plans that we had, and I was explaining to him that we we obviously have a a direction and so we we don't plan any further than three years at all um we have a direction i'd say three years is directional rather than yeah. we kind of like like to end up around about there then we have 12 months and then we have six months but actually we pretty much work on quarters so we work yeah. on what are we going to achieve in this quarter to get us to a point down the road because you're right like everything is moving at such a pace and I, I defy anyone out there working in the marketing and probably sales space who hasn't at least ripped up one plan in the last six months. <laughs> it's been brutal. Yeah, well, either that, they just like they just lied to themselves at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, the the chat is saying the biggest change that's going to be happening, and this is the thing, isn't it? As Tom, she's right, says it's, it's actually the biggest change is the speed of change. It's that frequency of change which is going to get more rapid. Now, there is going to be a really interesting point because I don't think it can get very much more rapid, but tell you right now on the call ladies and gentlemen if you're working in marketing the pace of change now is the slowest it's ever going to be that's the scary thing the pace of change now is the slowest it's ever going to be so if you're thinking right now oh my god i can't take this you're gonna to have to change your mindset take things a little bit less seriously and go with the flow you know go with the six and flow good lord flow, flow. that's terrible that's almost an advert but that's the reality isn't it so machines will do it like i love i think i spoke to you Years ago, I don't know if it was before you started, but you know that if I was ten years younger, that's where I'd have started a marketing agency. It would have been absolutely in the world of you know the chatbots and all that kind of stuff because that's the only way it's going to go. It's not going to go backwards. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see like things like billboards and all sort of stuff, which I've been arguing against for years. Because I think the shit, you know, I think they'll just disappear, won't they? Because there's no, there's not going to be people aren't going to be in those spaces. I you can't billboard a hat. I don't necessarily anyway. think that they will disappear. My, so my view on that stuff is. You like, and I totally agree with you. However, I do also think that you have to take into account the attractiveness of the juxtaposition of when everybody is doing something in a certain way. So if everything is going through to automation <laughs> and blah, 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 and everything is all tech driven, yeah. having the analog piece. So if you look at like direct mail, die to death, and now yeah. it's coming back because people want something physical, something tangible. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so if we do take it back a step further, always do what your customer wants, number one, yeah? So know your customer well enough to know what they want. I mean, that's, that's a marketing truism, you know? If you're not doing it, if you're doing it because you like tech, then don't, you know, that's a bit sad because that's not marketing. That's because you like tech. Go and play a computer game, fair enough. However, if you're not aware of things like Roblox and other things in these virtual worlds that now exist for the next generation, and if you're still frigging saying millennial, I mean, for God's sakes, people stop saying that fucking word, you know? All this stuff, you know, I literally, I can remember, like I was laughed at when I said that mobile would be a big industry. I was laughed at when mobile advertising would be big. I'll say another one now. Cool. 
gaming advertising will be massive and people will laugh at me and say, no, it won't be. It'll be fucking huge, man. It's going to be huge. Okay. The, have you, Virtual world. You saw the, um, the FIFA Burger King um, stunt, how they sponsored yeah. the, yeah. That's yeah, probably legend. the best piece of marketing I've seen in the last few years. Well, but, 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 but the principles of that is just guerrilla marketing. That's all that is. It's how do you create a high personal response, emotional response in the, in the place where your customers are? Well, you can't do it with a clever billboard. You can't do it, you know, doing something else. So where are they? Oh, they're on FIFA. Cool. How are we going to do this? Well, you could sponsor a team. Really? How much for? This much. Oh, my God, we'll sponsor a team. And then just get them to the fight. <laughs> it's fucking genius. And then, you do the, and then you do the hashtag stuff and all the other clever stuff. So I think we're just on, you know, you're talking about that, um, you know, billboards. Being, I just don't think so. I just think that the, the world we're now moving into will be so um, interactive and so instant that, you know, Direct mail, people might be slightly entertained by it, but my God, it's nothing compared to what you can do. I mean, LinkedIn, people haven't used LinkedIn properly yet. People haven't used Teams and other, you know, just so much richness in the technology environment they haven't touched yet. I, if we go back to flyers, mate, I'll be, I'll be very surprised. I, yeah, and I, I do agree with you. However, marketers <laughs> have a habit of fucking things up. So oh, yeah, we yeah, yeah, and we rinse it. So I think that there's an element of that. And where, where I'm saying, like, I, I do agree with you, and we it is the direction it is all moving. But you will always have those outlier cases where people will start to be able to connect with people on an emotional level because they are harping back to yesteryear, if you want to call it that, or like creating. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, what are you changing? Change, what are you working on now? So, like, what what are you doing at the moment? Yeah, I mean, that's you know, and what you were just talking about brilliantly segues into it. And I talked to this. Um, where was I? I did a talk somewhere. Anyway, too long ago. It was quite a famous place. I've forgotten what it was called. It's can't be that good. Um, anyway, and I talked about the art of marketing without marketing. Yep. Yeah. And again, it was one of these things. And it was, oh, very clever. All the anti-marketing guy, all very clever. That's why you did it for. But it wasn't really that. It was the Bruce Lee moment of him, you know, fighting him without fighting. And he, had, he gets on a boat. It's, but it's the same principle. You can do marketing without marketing. So this is growth now, isn't it? This is how your product needs to change to inspire and do things. So really, I don't work in marketing with Flock. I actually work in around innovation, but innovation kind of, and growth kind of hit that bit where product needs to change, so does the marketing. So to answer your question, we're fundamentally changing flop. So it becomes more viral. So it integrates with other things and it, and it sits inside a tech stack. And that's our, and using machine learning, right? using AI machine learning, just stuff I'm talking about. But it's bringing that technology inside the product, not just saying, oh, well, marketing will sort that out. As long as we get 20,000 people going to it, you know, some people will stick. I mean, that, that approach has, has got to die and that thing has died. So for Flock, it's literally, how do we add so much value here? How do we integrate it within technology so we know we're a digital coach for a remote team? And we add so much value that people start using it and adopting it, which, you know, look at things like Slack, et cetera. That's what they did, isn't it? You know, HubSpot and other people. MailChimp, for an example, even though they did bootstrap, fair play to them. But, you know, you start looking at those companies, the B2B offerings, and you, you realize that actually it's not trickled down and it hasn't been for a good, decade or so it's the other way around and so we're moving to a b2c model i would say richard to be frank about it but there you go rich don't 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 say that i didn't say that there you go so yeah making sure that that flock uh, adds so much value which it's doing and we're changing the ux uh, a lot and so that's what my big obsessions is in psychology so it's changing that and making it better so big top line question to finish it off with what's next in marketing now you are a futurist so i'm expecting big things from this <laughs> great thanks nothing too big um 
yeah, again, it's not an answer that you may probably want. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do it again. I'll say, you know, with the, with the right people, the right technology, you know, you take over the world, but with wrong people, the wrong technology, that world takes over you. I think the biggest change in marketing is actually going to come from the types of agencies that exist. I think it's going to be a massive change in the culture. Um, there's going to be a huge move, I think, into uh, diversity and inclusion and values as standard. You know, you won't be able, I don't, I hope you won't be able to, I hope this 10 years ago, so I'm a futurist, but you know, values driven marketing is no longer a kind of a dream of mine. It wasn't really ever a dream of mine, um, but you know, values driven marketing is going to be a bigger thing. So people are going to care more. And the thing is, because of COVID, society is changing. Yeah. And I know that once all this is over, I do believe it will be over. We will go to the roaring 20s and we'll do a thing. But I think we're going to go to the roaring 20s with a kind of ecological twist. You know what I mean? Like people will go, I want to go out and do stuff. I want to have experiences. I want to enjoy life. But I'm also quite aware that of what we've done before. So let's not do that. And they'll pay a premium for being better. And so brands that link into, we've seen with, you know, with taking a knee and all these other things, these are massive things. Yeah. Now brands have got to, and marketing has got to recognize that it's not the kind of, I hate to say evil because that's too strong a word, but we're not in the old world of capitalism where it was okay to be, to be horrid, but to advertise well. I, I'm hoping, I'm thinking that's moved past that. So the biggest change, which doesn't sound very exciting, is that move to values, values-driven marketing, not product-driven, not customer-centric, but values. And to do that, I think we're going to be delivering personal-to-person, P2P marketing in ways that we can barely imagine now, uh, but on rapid on such a scale that only computers can manage it. And I don't so just that, mean the placement, I mean everything. So that's, that, that is a, a shift. I would say that is a, a that like it big corps not being able to be evil, but having decent advertising and a decent presence in front of them. I'd say that's a shift that's been happening for a long time with like the, the, the growth of social media. It gives the end user a voice and a single person can start to slag off a brand, which can really damage the sales, et cetera, et cetera. So that's been reversing for a long time. But I, I take your point. It's obviously going to go way further than that. And I think it will become the norm. How, how far of a jump start or kind of a, a hop skit do you think COVID knocking at society about for a year, 18 months, how much of a jumpstart do you think that's going to give us? Are we now 10 years ahead in, in terms of that growth that we're talking about, 10 years ahead of where we probably would have been? Or do you think like we're, we're six months, 20 years, 30 I, years? Give me that. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I can give you a proper answer to that. Someone's just done some research on it around digital transformation, not around marketing, but just the principle of digital, digital transformation. So in the last, I always think it's 10 years in the last year because it sounds better, but it's not. It's about five years. So we've jumped out about five years in the, in the last year. I think this will be happening for at least two. I think the effects will be happening for five. You can most probably just extrapolate all that by five years. We're going to have skipped massively ahead. So crazy ideas around augmented reality and VR stuff, which were 10 years away, I think are two years away. Yeah. So, but the so problem, go back to one, of, one of the things that you said at the beginning, which is, and again, agree with the statement, is that we are the scariest thing about the moment is that we are moving as slow as we are ever going to move in the future. However, we have yeah. just gone through this hyper jump of that has been kickstarted by COVID. Do you think still think we'll keep accelerating or do you think we'll kind of level back down and then grow at a consistent pace? Well, this is why I say anyone who says that what's going to happen in five years is lying because you've got the social change. Yeah, because you haven't, you've got the social change, but society cannot, apart from utopia and, you know, some kind of left wing paradigm and, so many other things that happen, but there's so many other things underneath it. Like we'll still have railways, we'll still exist as human form, we'll still have decaying infrastructures. You know, you can't get away with those things. Society can change, and we can realise, oh, governments have been stealing billions of pounds. Oh, maybe we shouldn't vote them in again. Yeah, we can get that. Yeah, 
but it still means that there are billions of pounds. Now, of course, you can then say, oh, but then Bitcoin comes along and they wipe out all the debt they've got, which is likely to happen, by the way. That's what it was like. Look at, look at the history. That's what they do. They go, this is all based on silver. Oh, we've got too much debt. Well, we're going to wipe that out. We're going to create a new franc. We're going to create a new currency. That's what's like to The point, though, is, sorry, I, I promised myself I wouldn't rant, and then I just did. But the big one is it, the technology underneath that is the thing, isn't it? So I can talk about AR and VR and all this other stuff. But if we don't make the jump into 5G, and by the way, the world is already doing this. China did this. That's how they managed to defeat COVID so well, because they have better technology and better connectivity. And I'm not going to say better government, but they, you know, they just did stuff quite well. Yeah. Now, 5G, and I've been talking about 5G for years with the landing and with Huawei and all sorts of stuff. But honestly, if we don't have 5G, it's like not having canals during the Industrial Revolution. It's that important. Right? Yeah. You can't just go, we're going to put a mill here. Well, what about the water? Ah, don't worry, it rains all the time. It's not the fucking point. You need to have a canal to drive the mill. By the way, I don't know if, can I, if canals didn't drive mills. I apologise, I'm not a historian. But it's, it's just a metaphor. Okay? But the water still stands. Like it's fine. Yeah, so yeah, how can you not be okay with mills? <laughs> well, I'm looking at the canal right now, which is why I said it. So I'm just like, oh, and we stole that water from Liverpool. Oh, don't get me started. There we go. But the whole point of canals. Anyway, so that's why it always rains here. The whole point, though, is this is whole canal metaphor. So water, data, all this stuff, you need all that. So we need 5G to take this next thing. Honestly, 5G propels this next bit, not only marketing, but the whole society. But it does marketing in the same way because it allows the Internet of Things. It allows you know, machines and machine. It allows all this stuff is allowed. 4G can't hold that information. It does not, can't do it. It can't do it. Can't do it. It's the exact same thing. You know, do we have roads that are muddy roads or are they motorways? Well, that makes a difference to society. And um, it will make a difference to marketing because if you start if you start connecting everything together, then you've got to think about what your tech stack really is, don't you? But there you go. Remember, before, before we end, I think we're about to end, because I just talked about technology too much. It's mainly about your people because, remember, if you get the right people on board to your agency, then all these new things, all these newfangled things that are happening, they will just love and pick up and absorb you know, young people already know all this stuff. They look, listen to me going, yeah, I know, 5G, obviously that. You know, I'm 45, for God's sake. You know, but younger people, get those people with the talent into your business. Get the right people, the right values, working for the right clients in the right way. And technology will be almost an afterthought. But believe you me, uh, you're going to need people who are adaptable and agile because it's going to fucking come quick and fast, man. It's going to be a fun time. Dan, Normally, the, when I set out doing these, the, my idea was to have six questions in six minutes, and I have balls that up in every single one, and we are way <laughs> over that, and I've enjoyed every second of it, and we are going to have to catch up properly soon, um, but I am going to have to wrap it up now as well. Um, no problem. Dan, thanks for being up for doing the six sessions with me. Like I said, I really enjoyed it. Um, if anyone wants to follow up with you, how do you want people to connect with you? Okay, cool. So um, not really from a marketing point of view, no, not, not in a bad way. I'm just too busy now. But uh, but you can come and find me, rant about marketing stuff on uh, at Dan Sodegrin is my Twitter handle. There's another Twitter handle, which is my old agency one, which is UK Marketing Help. Best bets to find me on LinkedIn. And most people on the call go, yeah, I know, Dan, you're on LinkedIn a lot. That's okay. I am on LinkedIn a lot. I train people to be good at LinkedIn as well. But I'm not really good at yeah, <laughs> I don't. People don't use LinkedIn enough. I think it's a marvelous thing. I did when Reed talked about it years ago. I was convinced then. I'm convinced now. It's just going to grow and grow. Anyway, um, and then the big one for me, it's my the big thing I'm into at the moment, which is your flock. So www.yourflock.co.uk. For people on the call, though, if you want contact with Reed, and I just I haven't asked me how this, my co-founder, um, but too late now. So yeah, get in contact, Rich, and we'll get you a free trial for that, and we'll honour it for for three months, no matter how big your team is. 
uh, we'll do that for you for listening to the call. Great. Perfect. That's uh, quite the afternoon giveaway. Let's, uh, let's oh, see yeah. how many will listen to the call and what that ends up costing. So, <laughs> I just uh, realized that. I just went, oh, I should have put some terms and conditions. Don't screw the blind. Any any parting wisdom you want to share with everybody on a Friday afternoon? Um, just, you know, I don't know, it sounds a bit cheesy, but just enjoy life. Give give each other a break. You know, be kind. Not only be kind in your marketing, be kind as a person. Think about where people are right now, especially with our marketing. Please stop sending stuff that, you know, where you're saying, oh, this is what we're doing during COVID or whatever. You know, just think about, just put your put yourself in the shoes of your customer for a lot longer than maybe you're used to or comfortable with. Because actually, you know, without our customers, we don't exist. And, and marketing is just there to help sales. But in the end, marketing is really to help the world. So uh, get out there and enjoy your marketing. But for goodness sake, be kind. Dude, I, I literally think we could have gone for another hour. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, next week, we have Gori Yahar, CEO of Upskill Digital, joining us. So hopefully we'll see you then. So, Dan, thank you very much, mate. And I'll see you soon.